Hello and welcome to Step and Repeat, your weekly movies and awards season podcast. I'm your co-host, Matt. And I am your other co-host, Andrew. And welcome to our penultimate episode of 2019. Yay! We got the fireplace going. It's almost New Year's Eve. I don't know if you can hear the fake fireplace in the background, but... Uh, we have real fires going on here with the nice smelling candles. Oh, yeah. The ambiance is great. It's... It smells so good. It, it sets the mood for pleasantness, yes. which may or may not be reflective of how this podcast will go. <laughs> yeah. We need zen and peace. Um, so if you haven't noticed, today's episode is going to be a little different uh, than our usual shows. Today, Andrew and I will be going over our top 10 movies of the year. Ooh. Uh, so I know so far... Myself, I've seen um, 88 movies that were released you in 2018. Way more than I did. Really? I yeah. feel like we saw everything together. I mean, you see movies without me. I see what? movies without you. Yeah. Well, do you do you have a number? Or? 62. 62. Yeah. No, I'm joking. Well, because I, I see a lot <laughs> oh, are of... You, are you like making fun of me for my plebeianness yeah. of only mm. seeing 62 movies Sorry. this year? <laughs> well, I see a lot of crap. So. Yeah. But a lot of that crap has made it. In... So did I... We, snuck its way up we my went list. over our worst movies of the year in the last podcast a few of them so, yeah. yeah yeah we did this is good vibes only for yeah. for this one <laughs> so um we're not gonna go we're not gonna talk too much before we get into our list um but just to let you know we have set a few ground rules for today um so we're gonna go down to our down our list one by one um from 10 to 1 each of us will have about three minutes to talk about each movie and we're allowing for a one minute rebuttal for yeah. each um so those are going to be the rules for quote unquote the debate um yeah just yeah. debate style yeah. rules so. so and this is because if we let ourselves go without a time limit yeah. this would be probably a three-hour yeah. podcast yeah <laughs> if there are no rules it will never end yeah so, so All right. should we just like go right into it yeah i was gonna say we should flip a coin but uh I don't oh know oh that's stuff, a so. good idea yeah. Do we have? Actually, a I do. Hang handy? on one second. Oh, we should have prepared for this beforehand. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of overlap anyway, so I don't think it should be too much of a big deal. So, like, if there's if there's something that um, we both have on our list, like we won't spend each four minutes on it. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. And plus, we've had numerous episodes on these before too. So, if you really want to know like the full 40 minute to an hour and a half version, just go back and yeah. listen to that episode. Yeah. All right, so got a quarter here. Uh heads tails, you want to call it in the air? Sure. Okay. So, and you'll get to yeah. winner gets to decide who goes first. All right. Ready? Flipping now. In the air. Tails. It's tails. Yes, tails never fails. Do you want to go first or <sighs> I'll go second. Okay. Yeah, I'll receive. Oh, oh, so you get to end. I'll get. You get, get the final end. word. No, but if there's overlap, though, then you get to talk about it first. So oh, sometimes, right. sometimes this can benefit you. Yeah. All right. I'm turning off this light. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so one at a time. I am getting my stopwatch ready. You know, All right. We are cutting you off at three minutes exactly. That's fine. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's All right. Go. So uh, just a um, also fair warning. Neither of us really have any scripts for our top 10 movies um we're just going to kind of wing it and yeah. three minutes of debate and why we think it's yeah and we can in end that it. spot we so. can end it before three minutes yeah. too it's fine all right you ready i'm ready let's go timer's on okay so my number 10 is goes to uh taika waititi's jojo rabbit mm. um love jojo rabbit uh and remember this is out of 88 movies so this is very high up um 
thought Jojo Rabbit was a great movie. Uh, it's considered a satire on hate. Um, really haven't seen anything like it. Um, and when I posted my top 10 earlier to my personal Facebook page, I mentioned something along the lines of um, these like movies kind of creating new genres. Um, and I kind of feel like Taika Waititi with Jojo Rabbit is going in that direction. Um, I Like the satire, I, I feel like he took the satire um, and kind of... He kind of spun the genre. Um, it's it's kind of hard to describe, but um, I really like uh, I like the whole satire part of it. I like the comedy. I thought the jokes were hilarious. Um, but when it was deep, it was very deep, um, very emotional. Um, Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson plays um, a great role as the mom, um, but the two knockout performances are um, from JoJo uh, and Taika Waititi as Hitler. Um, the rest of the supporting cast is great. Even Rebel Wilson, I think she's hilarious and has a few good scenes. Um, her one good role. Yeah, her one her one good role <laughs> here. Um, time to burn some books. <laughs> and yeah, it has a lot of really memorable, funny lines. Um, and overall, just a great story, um, great themes, great plot. Um, and I really think Taika Waititi showed his colors uh, as a director. Um, not only as a director, but as a director and an actor. Um, and the script just the script just worked. Everything worked about Jojo Rabbit, and we've we've kind of delved into Jojo Rabbit mm-hmm. previous in a previous episode. Um, so I don't really want to like say too much about it, um, other than I just loved yeah. it, and I really can't wait to see it again. Yeah. So, so uh, Taika Waititi, I don't know if you've seen the most recent episode of The Mandalorian. I did. Yes. The finale. Yeah. So Taika Waititi directed the finale of The Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah you could definitely tell. Yeah, and there were like these Taika Waititi moments. So. Spoiler alert for The Mandalorian. I don't think anyone ever expected them to spoilers for this, but uh, there's a moment where a couple stormtroopers punch Baby Yoda in The Mandalorian. The internet went wild. Yes. And this was such a Taika Waititi moment, like directorial, because like it instantly set... Um, set the stage for like you hating these people, but they also, but the scene was also comedic in the sense that these stormtroopers were awful because like they did nothing but like complain about their jobs and they like had target practice and couldn't hit anything. So it was, um, so it was like funny and sad at the same time. And like it worked in the same sort of context that Jojo Rabbit works. Yeah, yeah. So it's like funny and sad at the same time. So, uh, and you see like the same thing in Thor Ragnarok too. And I think Taika Waititi's great. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah I, and I really I can't Jojo wait to Rabbit. see more of his stuff in the future. So yeah, I hope he gets the best director. I hope so. This year. So, so. All right. That's my number 10. Good. Wow. We kept it under four minutes. There you go. So good for us. Okay, my turn. Yep, go okay, ahead. Okay, my number. Start 10. your timer. Oh, I'm doing my. I'm timing myself. We're, we're okay. On, I'll time you. We're on the honor system. <laughs> All right, no, I'll time you. Um, let me All right, ready? Three, two, one. All right. So my number ten is the movie The Farewell, and the reason I think this movie is so wonderful is because it's so small, but it feels so large. Uh, So since we didn't get to talk about it, quick recap, it's the true story of a Chinese-American family coming together in China ostensibly to celebrate a wedding, but in reality it's to say goodbye to their grandmother, the matriarch of the family, uh, Nai Nai, because she's dying and doesn't know about it, and the family has chosen not to tell her about it. And 
this movie works because this isn't really like a rare practice in China, or at least my understanding is that is the case. But it's certainly one that I'm unfamiliar with. So I think it's a very inherently interesting story and something that people should see. And it takes things like complex family dynamics and what it means to be American or Chinese, all these identity issues. And it's really beautiful. And Aquafina turns in like a surprisingly great traumatic dramatic <laughs> performance because you know we're used to seeing her uh, do her comedic chops, which she's great at too. But she um, really delivers here, and uh, also a completely unknown <laughs> Chinese actress, uh, Zhao Shuzhen. Again, I've mispronounced her name wrong before, <laughs> but. I'm sure I'm doing it now. She's amazing as Nai Nai. She's not an actress by training, but she's just the heart of the movie and carries this film. And I really thought it was really great. Moved me to tears. That's it. Cool. All yeah. right. Um, Captain Under Two movies. Um, wow, we're so, doing well. Yeah. Um, so when I first saw The Farewell, I, I enjoyed it, um, but I didn't love it as much as most people did. I really think that was a movie that had to sink... Uh, sink in and I really had to feel it later on um, I felt like Aquafina was great um, but I'd like to see her go a little bit deeper in performances in the future I, I really enjoyed, I, I thought she did a great job um, but I really thought she scraped this just scraped the surface of what she can do in terms of her acting chops I didn't like and I don't know if that goes to the credit of um, or if that if that has to do with the writing um, but there's something there that I just didn't feel like was complete with me. Um, it just might be my perspective. I might be missing something there, but um, I thought Aquafina was, I thought she was fine, but I, I'd like to see her go a little deeper. I really liked um, Xu Zhen Zhao as not Nai Nai. Um, you can, I didn't know she wasn't an actress by trade, um, but uh, you know, I, she seemed like a nice lady that I'd like, to, <laughs> that I'd like to get to know. Yeah, so I hope she gets nominated yeah. for an Oscar. Um, and everything you said about the cultural references and the cultural impact um, yeah, that's that's uh, very true. Um, I just I just felt a little um, taken out. I I, I I didn't know if this movie really resonated with me as much as it did with most. So um, I enjoyed it. I really liked it. Not in my top ten though. So Ooh, wow, cool. Uh, yeah, we didn't get to do an episode on that one, yeah. so I'm glad yeah, I, I, I got to give it a quick shout out yeah. at least. Yeah, I would have liked to maybe have seen it and then talked about it but um at a greater length but. yeah i haven't seen it since yeah. so this is all just based on one reaction that i had after the summer yeah so. all, all right. right so my number nine yeah go on to number nine all right all right uh, so my number nine goes to midsummer um so it's from director Where is it midsummer midsummer i like don't know <laughs> actually it's yeah. still don't think we know um so Midsommar comes... Uh, now I'm going to say Midsommar. So yeah. it comes from director Ari Aster, who also did Hereditary. Um, and just like Hereditary, it, Midsommar didn't affect me as much at first as it did later. Um, after it sunk in, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, this was Florence Pugh's breakout movie of the summer. She played Danny, um, a girl who goes with her boyfriend to this retreat in... Uh, is it Sweden? Um, somewhere Switzerland, in Nordic. Somewhere. Yeah, somewhere in the Nordic country. Um, and they just uh, are in the middle of this cult tribe and are drawn into their traditions. And basically horror ensues. And it's just, it's great. Um, 
there's a very haunting aspect to this movie in the end and the beginning. Um, but the middle is very... There are parts in the middle that are very lighthearted um, where you really have time to get to know the characters and get to feel, the, feel for the characters. Um, everyone who went to the retreat, all of the friends, um, you really got to understand Florence Pugh's backstory, where she came from, or sorry, Danny's backstory, um, and her boyfriend, uh, Christian, played by Jack Renner, also gives a very strong performance. Um, someone who's dealing with... Um, trauma and pain just as much as she is um because he's dealing with her trauma and pain um so i i feel like you you also felt for him as well um because he's taking on he because from my point of view he's taking on he's taking on her hurt and i can, I can understand I, that. I am biting my tongue at that one okay. i love the movie midsummer but i think christian no. is a complete ass i love christian i absolutely oh love my god no 100 percent disagree no i don't he think is he's a jerk a, at all very much a jerk um he's very much a jerk he's a jerk because i think he because i think the movie peels back like layer by layer and Danny slowly realizes like what a complete asshole he is, and because of like his actions and inattentiveness, uh, it's this is like a breakup movie. I, Ari Aster wrote it because he went through a bad breakup. I think you need to rewatch it because I I got a different message, and I I don't think I think um, there's a whole other side to Christian that uh, you need to go back and rewatch and really understand oh, like the part where he tried to steal his friend's uh, thesis statement or yeah. forgot his girlfriend's birthday yeah. Yeah. you know or didn't want to be with his girlfriend go back and, go back after you know her what she went through a trauma yeah but okay go back and watch i mean there, anyway. are, there are multiple unforgivable things in my opinion anyway jack renner is great oh um, he's great yeah. he's excellent and he's like such a nice guy i've watched him in interviews and he's like a huge cinephile he has a really yeah. interesting instagram yeah yeah um i think towards the end is where i really oh i'm my three minutes oh no i mean All like right. it's kind of fluid uh, i talked a little bit yeah. too so um but anyway uh Everyone else is... Uh, I just think, like, all the villagers are really creepy, and the story just works out really well, and it all ties together really well. Um, and there are some really, like, horrific and disturbing scenes that mm -hmm. I still, like, can't get out of my head. Yeah. So, <laughs> for that reason, and the acting alone... Um, Midsommar is my number nine movie of the year. There's a director's cut that's like three I have and a half hours. Yeah. Have you? Yeah, you have no. it. No. Uh, yeah, and I know, I don't know if it's out. Is it, it out? It is out. I just, I haven't seen it myself either. Yeah, no. So. I, I do want to see it. I'd be very curious to see what they took out. Yeah. So, and it's a long movie already. It's like three hours. So, yeah. well, good. All right. We are keeping it under four minutes for each movie. This is good. Good for yeah. us. Um, Patting ourselves in the back here. All right. So let me start my timer here. Ready? Yeah. And go. So my number nine movie of the year is the movie Honey Boy. Oh. Yeah. And this movie unexpectedly blew me away. I think I'm more or less expected to like all the other movies on this list, but this is the one I think that surprised me the most. Mm. And it's also the most unconventional movie on this list, I think, too. Uh, Boy, Noah Jupe. Yeah, so, and part of part of the reason is Noah Jupe, who plays a child actor with um, an alcoholic father, and uh, later in life, um, Noah Jupe's character is played by uh, um, Lucas Hedges, and this is based on the real-life experiences of Shia LaBeouf, and Shia LaBeouf plays his father, too. So it gets very... And he wrote this movie. So it gets very Russian nesting doll <laughs> to explain. But 
uh, it's interesting, and this is what I mean by unconventional, because Shia LaBeouf wrote it as part of a therapy lesson, and he showed it to his friend, pretty much the only one who like stuck by him, who's uh, Alma Harrell, who directed the movie. And she thought it was so strong that they should make it into a movie. And she told him that he should play his father. And so this kind of like goes through his experiences with his father um, and then him growing up and struggling with um, drug and alcohol use, much like his father did. And uh, it's gives their spellbinding performances by Noah Jupe, who gives my favorite uh, child performance in a long time. He just elicits so many great emotions. And uh, Shia LaBeouf is um, completely transforms himself into a whole new character that I've never seen him play anything like this before. And I think this movie like taps into sort of psychology that is very difficult to manage. And I know that this, I've read other people's reviews and I've seen things on Twitter. And I know this movie particularly resonates with people familiar with addiction, uh, especially people who still love people who struggle with addiction. Mm -hmm. So I don't find this to be a vain project on Shia LaBeouf's half. Um, On the contrary, I think it's, quite sincere and it everything about it worked for me and was really really surprised at how much i loved this movie cool yeah um i remember we saw this together um i i enjoyed the movie i thought i enjoyed the movie's performances for the most part um i it this did this movie didn't even crack my top 15 um i appreciated the story um especially growing up watching Shia LaBeouf um but to me um and I know it's not really supposed to but it didn't nothing really for me came together in the end um there like there was really like honestly there's like there's no wrapping up the story um see I think like the the one of the last lines in the movie which I think is so great is uh Shia LaBeouf's character the the father saying nobody's mad at me anymore Mm -hmm. and i thought that line was just so impactful and like really haunted me yeah Uh, yeah i yeah i just i yeah it was i i do see where you're coming from it was a powerful line um just not i'm just you know not it wasn't i I liked it just not my favorite movie of the year so cool yeah i can't wait to see thing more things from noah jupe i like yeah Boy, no. quote, quote me on the quote me on this. I really think no Jupe's going to be something big in mm-hmm. the next few years. Cool. All right, that was four minutes. Wow, <laughs> go us. <laughs> so, all right. Um, You're eight. My number eight. Um, I may get a, so right. Right. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna uh, probably get a lot of heat for some of my top ten. Um, my number eight is a big block. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of anything <laughs> on your top ten all right, list. All right. All right. Um, my number eight is a big blockbuster. Um, came out in June. It is or July, sorry. Uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home. Uh, the second movie, the second Spider-Man in this new Marvel Disney Marvel universe, Disney slash Sony Marvel universe. Um, I thought I'm a huge Spider-Man nerd. I love. I do like. I I like the superhero movies. Um, I think they're great. Um. However, Spider-Man holds a special place in my heart, um, and I thought, 
and they, I know they haven't done Mysterio yet, and this is the first time they've done Mysterio on screen. And I thought, like, they did absolutely, they did him absolutely perfect. Like, they could not have done him any better. I thought Jake Gyllenhaal played, um, played him just so, so well. Um, as long as, like, as well as, like, the other, like, small cameos, like, that came out at the end. Like, um, uh, J.K. Simmons coming back as J. Jonah Jameson. I thought that was a great, great touch. I know some people didn't really like it. I thought it was awesome. Um like fine who cares like i thought it was great yeah Um, (laughs) no 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 i didn't i didn't mean it's fine in a putting down way like why would anyone care why would anyone think that's bad no i get what you're saying um but i i also think um oh my god tom holland is just amazing as peter parker he's so much better than andrew garfield was andrew garfield and i think he's better than tony where yeah well i think i think he He looks like a teenager actually (laughs) he looks like a teenager i think he's a perfect peter parker um my only issue is that he's a tad too good looking to play peter oh yeah peter parker is a little bit nerdier than he is um but i think his dynamic works great i think he works great with the rest of the cast um, I think I like him and Zendaya together, even though... He was going to ask what you think about, like, Zendaya. Um, I know I'm, she's, like, the controversial one, because, like, is she she's, MJ? She's not really MJ. Yeah. Like, she's not... Like, she's, like... I didn't really like how they ended the last one, where she says, like, I'm quote-unquote MJ. Like, just be your own character. Like, I'm fine with that. I'm fine yeah. with them bringing in new characters. Like, they touch on Betty Brant, who's this um, old fling back in high school, mm-hmm. um, who's actually played by Elizabeth Banks in the old to- Tobey Maguire movies. Um, I love how they, speaking of yeah. Betty Brant, I love how in Far From Home, they how they address uh, Endgame, too, with, yeah. like, the, the news story, the child... Um, the the school news story at the, like the very beginning yeah. where they're explaining what is it called the not the disappearance it's, it the, was the, the um oh god the jump or is it the, or I forget some, something yeah. Like, yeah the blip or something like yeah that. yeah um, I think it was the blip yeah so please I'm sure there are I, Marvel fans listening please correct us I think yeah <laughs> and I think they did it really like everyone was wondering like oh how are they gonna do this where everyone comes back like if they've been gone for five years um and I thought it, they they worked it in really well with Avengers Endgame um how like you know, they disappeared but didn't age and, like, were all kind of, like, went back to school together. Yeah, it was smart. It was great. It, it was, was smart. smart. It worked well. Um, overall, a great movie. I think it's, like, probably the second or third best in the whole Spider-Man franchise and definitely up there in the Marvel franchise. Um, yeah. Yeah, just I'm awesome. S- I had a good time. I loved it. I'm so glad that there, we're going to get more Spider-Man, too, because yes. there was that... There was that question mark of like whether we would yeah, or wouldn't. What is, like, what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we all knew he was coming back. Yeah, like I think we all thought like yeah. there was a way, but yeah, they could have just like easily rebooted it too. Yeah. and because and th- Tom Holland is like so so good. Oh yeah, I think and, a lot of people would be really disappointed if he like was canned as Spider-Man. And especially how Far From Home ends too. Yeah. It's like how can you end on that? It's yeah. such a great note. We won't spoil. Yeah, but yeah. the it, Spider-Man franchise just has some of my favorite villains, or some of my favorite characters are the villains, and I cannot wait to see where they go in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they don't like it's not boring in the way that like the no, Amazing Spider-Mans are like are. Those are terrible. I mean, I barely terrible. remember anything that happens. In those them. are an embarrassment. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, everything just kind of comes together. I think in yeah. Far From Home, I I really really enjoyed it. And like as much as I want to like resist enjoying it too for some I don't know why you like because it's a superhero and I think you're worn out of superhero movies I I do have superhero fatigue yeah. but like I you like I want to resist them and then but like it's great it's so yeah. charming so enjoyed it cool cool all right yeah time for your number eight uh, yes right. my number eight is the movie Waves. Oh, I yes. got to step back from this one because I've not seen it yet. Oh, the first one where we both haven't seen. Yes. So, um, 
Waves is a family drama where I felt completely invested in every single moment. I think the colors, the insane camera movements, the soundtrack that I have been listening to nonstop ever since the movie came out, uh, everything about Waves just kind of gels for me. Uh, I really love the story structure of shifting the character focus halfway through the movie and the two leads, uh, Kelvin Harrison Jr. and Taylor Russell, yeah. are absolutely perfect. Taylor Russell is in Lost in Space, and I'm watching that right now. Yeah, the new Lost season just came out. I love yeah. Lost in Space. So. Uh, I think both of them are going to do uh, go on to do great things. Yeah. Um, and the director, Trey Edward Schultz, uh, I think also is going to go on to yeah. do great things too. So again, making my prediction here that you should keep your eye on him. And now having seen his two other movies, uh, the movie Cretia and the movie It Comes at Night, uh, two very different movies oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and different from Waves too. So I think he's got a lot of talent and tells these really fascinating and varied stories. I, yeah, I think It Comes at Night was like, I wish it was like, like people picked it up and like it, it, like it was a movie that like surprised me and I absolutely loved it, which is why I want to see Waves so bad. Um, but like, I wish like like that movie got a little more attention than like something like A Quiet Place, like which was fine. It was it was a good movie, but like it comes at night was so so like thrilling. Yeah, yeah, it's thrilling, and I think so. The one thing that all of his family or all of his movies have in common are family <laughs> and family dynamics, and uh, those I think that's like very clear uh, from all three of the movies and. They uh, it plays across like very well too. So yeah. like in it comes at night. It's like a family in the apocalypse essentially and facing a mysterious sort of threat. Yeah. So, um, but it's it's a horror movie. So it's like so interesting in the way that power dynamics are in that movie. And the second movie so good. in a row that we that uh, Clifton Collins was in. So. Yeah. Uh, this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He. Um, He's also in Honey Boy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, he's in brief scenes in both. He's like barely in Waves, actually. He plays okay. uh, Alexa Demi's father, who is um, Alexa Demi's from Euf- the TV show Euphoria. And I'm a really big fan of the show Euphoria. Yeah. And uh, this movie, I think, actually, uh, somewhat unintentionally, but also vokes oh Euphoria. Uh, a lot too like I'm reminded a lot it has to do with like the bright colors Alexa Demi obviously (laughs) is a factor in it too but about like young lives and kind of the stresses that teenagers go through Uh, and both Euphoria and Waves are um, done by young directors so or creators so they uh, I think they have they tap into like youth mindsets better than like somebody in gen x or um mm-hmm. baby boomers could do so um, yeah. i love seeing millennial directors even though it makes me sad that i'm a millennial and i'm not that talented but i just like love seeing people of my generation succeed and do mm-hmm. well at what mm-hmm. they do you're succeeding and doing well what you do uh we all are this we're, this we're just in a different industry yes yeah, so. <laughs> yeah all right Cool. Yeah, um, so it's Waves. And um, I know Sterling K. Brown is also in Waves. Yeah, yeah. Sterling K. Brown is great. Yeah. Uh, but he, does, he has a very minor role. I wouldn't call it minor. It's supporting. Like, the I two... I haven't seen it, so yeah. yeah. He's the father. He's the patriarch of the family, and okay. he's, like, a tough father, a tough but loving father. Mm-hmm. So uh, he has, like, a lot of 
interesting sort of things to do because it's a very emotional movie so he kind of goes back and forth of being stern and being um loving and accepting so it's it's he strikes that balance like really well uh possibly like one of my favorite scenes of the year is a conversation that his character has uh with taylor russell's character it's just i think it's the best acted scene um of the year cool all right um well thanks for that uh yeah so we should get to my number seven sure go for it um, so my number seven is, it's going to be, this is going to be quick. Um, it's going to be, it's a movie that isn't on many people's top 10 lists, but it is on mine. Um, it is John Wick chapter three, Parabellum. Um, just Keanu Reeves just brings this, tri- this series of movies just together so well. Um, the, the stunt choreography is just incredible. Um, and I just love everything about John Wick and I, like it's John Wick is just a movie I need to see when I've had a really bad day at work and I just want to like come home and watch some like revenge uh action shoot 'em up kill 'em shooting spree movie and it's just like it really delivers like John Wick is like something like you know what you're going you you know what you're going to see and it delivers tenfold um so it's just fun. It's a good movie, and that's that's it. Do you think? Do you think the movie John Wick the series could evolve into something like James Bond? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It, but it's a much more violent, yeah. violent James Bond. Not only like could it evolve, it, I think it's getting better and better uh, with each movie that comes out. I thought John Wick Chapter Two was better than John Wick One, and I thought Three was better, better than, than Two, the Two and One, and One. Yeah. Um, I think the scripts kind of the script and the writing gets better and better. They add in different, more complex, interesting characters, and this all evol- this all started from one like one person who like shot John Wick's dog, and like it yeah. just went out of control from there. And I think it's great, and I really hope they evolve and keep going like they do with James Bond, and keep like having spinoffs. Like different characters would have their own spinoffs. I know, like they're talking. Do they have about any Halle spinoffs Berry. in devel- development? I know Halle Berry is being talked about as having her own spinoff. Uh huh. Um, and I see a couple other like people that could have potentially their own spinoff. But the characters in um, John Wick are amazing. Um, Ian McShane plays Winston, and I absolutely love him. He's like the head of He's like so this, good. like yeah, of like the um, organization that John Wick works for. Uh, and I, I think Ian McShane is just like a terrific actor. Um, and I love him in like American Gods. And I have yet to see season two, but I thought season one was great. Um, also, Lawrence Fishburne is in John Wick, and um, so I thought it was really cool to see Lawrence Fishburne and Keanu Reeves on screen again. Um, so, yeah. We're just going to have to get uh, Carrie and Moss back in there. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, he, they're, they're doing The Matrix 4 now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm, you're... I'm good. Yeah. I don't... What are, like, what are they going to call it? Like, Matrix rebooted? I'm like, I'm good. I, uh, we shall see. <laughs> they're rebooting everything else. I mean, Matrix is fine. It's been a while since I've it's, kind of engaged fine, with The Matrix. But, like... I think I was so I'm so mad at the Matrix because I actually liked Reloaded and Revolutions and everyone hated it and I was like, ah, screw this, Matrix is just stupid. <laughs> I really I really like Reloaded actually. Revolutions, I just I just don't understand Revolutions. I'm just going to admit I'm too dumb for that movie. That I I'm like I don't know what's going on, so I'm just going to enjoy the action. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think it's that you're too dumb. I just think it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. so. All right, very cool. Yeah. 
So I do not apologize for my top ten list. These Never. are my these are my favorite movies of the year, and they're not going to agree with most people's critics' top ten list. But they don't need what to. Do, what do they? What do you know? You don't need to. Yeah. Good. All right. Okay. So my your number seven. My right? number seven. Uh, it's our first repeat movie. Is Midsummer? Oh, okay. Yeah. So Midsummer is a weird ass movie (laughs) with, I think, a phenomenal ending. And I love this movie for two big reasons and one kind of minor one. Uh, So I'll go with the minor one first. The minor reason that I like this is I think it's interesting and different. Uh, The lore aspect of it is the weird part. It's this like little puzzle game where you're trying to find out what is going on (laughs) in this very cult-like atmosphere and uh the big reasons uh i alluded to this earlier uh i love the microaggressions in this movie uh particularly from christian (laughs) jack rayner i think he's such a villain i can't believe you like him i think Mm, he's he's not a villain i think he's such a villain he's not a villain and And, he's a dick and florence Pugh is is not all innocent so she i mean she's the most complex microaggressions she's the most complex character because i thought because she's the lead yeah uh i thought i actually found her character quite annoying oh my god Mm -hmm. wow i think this is shocking developments i I think you're completely in the wrong, uh, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, you're entitled to your incorrect opinion. <laughs> so um, he like see. I think he comes across as of a dick because of what he does instead of like what he says. He's like he's the he's the epitome of like empty promises to me. Yeah, but I also like I see him as like an evolving like person and getting better with. Each passing day, it's worse no, with I, each passing I don't, day. Uh, maybe I need to see this again, but I, I, for me, like, like for me, I like really felt for him at the end, and I was like, like especially like the last scene, that like I felt like he was being forced into this, like this orgy, and like I was really upset when she like spied, like spied on like that whole thing going on. I was like, no, like you don't understand what's happening. Like he's being forced into this. And- so you have to wonder why he was being forced into it. He was being forced into that orgy because of who he is, like as a person, at least narratively. Okay. Yeah. Well. And history. but so the second reason that I love this movie is because of the end. Uh, that and so, that was so weird. <laughs> the, I know the ending is weird. Yeah. I'm a weird guy. Uh, and uh, I think. This is like a three-hour epic, and the ending is so cathartic. It's like the most—it's wonderfully cathartic Mm -hmm. in a way that no other movie has been this year. And it's like the culmination of like the entire movie, and you like feel this release uh, where she gets to see her boyfriend die. Yeah, because he's a dick. (laughs) So that's not a dick move. If you're a dick, you will take satisfaction in watching that person burn. Yeah, well, I think that, like, makes... Like, I, I thought that made her, like, pure evil in the end. Like, she got her revenge, and, like, she, she found, gets to watch him, like... She like, finds... So she finds She gets family. to watch, watch him, She finds like, her family at the pain. end, too, because, like, she can't have her family she in gives real life. She cult. It's... It's messed up i will agree that this movie is messed up but she like finds that sort of connection that she couldn't find or was unable to find it with her family um and her friends and boyfriend are also not there for her too so it's 
I think yeah. the ending is like so she's perfect Manson. and she Charlie Manson's it and I- iconic. <laughs> like the ending is iconic and will yeah. go down that, that in horror history. That smile, Florence Pugh's smile. It's great. It's haunting. Yeah. yeah. So the true May Queen. Yeah. <laughs> My <laughs> Queen Florence. <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, where are we? Okay, let's... Number six? Six, okay. Oh, or my th- number six! I love my number six, okay. I hope you love all your top ten. No, oh yeah, I do, I do. But I especially <laughs> love my number six. Um, alright, so my number six is goes to a movie I have, um, referenced on this podcast quite a bit, um, called Britney Runs a Marathon. Mm. Uh, it's streaming now on Amazon Prime, and I think... And I'm like, it's a little movie that people don't really, like, know about all that well, um, people really haven't heard about it, um, so I'm like trying to tell all my friends, like, and family to go see it, like watch it, like take an afternoon, just watch it. It's short. It's really good. It's really, really funny and very, very inspirational. Um, especially if you're like a runner, um, you kind of have to suspend disbel- suspend belief a little bit, because um, yeah, there's some things about the marathon, like. That the way she finagles herself into a marathon to running a marathon, but isn't it based on a true story? It though? is based on a true story, but um, I, I don't know how it works trying to get into the New York Marathon because I know you've mentioned about like how you try to get in and like really is that the like, qualifying times yeah. are very hard, but yeah. there's like there are other yeah. ways like sponsorships. Yeah, so basically, um, Brittany runs a marathon, stars Jillian Bell as this girl named Brittany, um, and she is this overweight, uh, out of work girl. Well, not out of work, but she works like part time at a theater. Um, and she tells her doctor that, um, or she goes to see her doctor one day, uh, and he says she's overweight and, um, basically it's just a story about her getting in shape to run a marathon. Um, but the path that she takes to get there is very inspirational and very uplifting. The whole movie is just very uplifting. It's a really, uh, good movie. I was like in tears by the end. I was like bawling. Um, there's, uh, the supporting, um, characters in this, I, there's one character in this uh, played by Michaela Watkins. Um, she was in, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Wanderlust, Wanderlust, or she's in the show The Unicorn on um, CBS, I believe. Um, she's like like the neighbor upstairs. Like she's the one. Like she's like this yogi, and she's very annoying. And she's like, like why don't you do better things with your life? She has some great like great one line zingers. Um, she's like you need to do better with your life, and she really. But because she's so annoying, and because she's so. Um, persistent in kind of telling Brittany like how to run her life. Brittany finds inspiration in that and really takes control of that and um, gets into shape and gets her act. Not only does she get like into shape, she gets her act together um, and she meets, you know, the love of her life by um, this house sitting job. Um, I don't remember the name of the actor who plays him, but um He's he's okay, but the the main story revolves around Brittany. Um, and Laurel is also in this as uh, her her like friend or something, um, or her her in law. Um, and so like they talk back and forth on the phone about her like success story, and it's just it's really it's really great and it's really funny. So if you haven't seen it, check it out now. It's on Amazon Prime, um, and I love it. It's just yeah, it's really great. So. Yeah, I'm. I have not seen this movie yet, and I'm yeah. mostly reserving my res, uh, my comments on this because I think 
I, I'm nervous about this movie. I think I will either absolutely love this movie or absolutely hate it. I yeah. don't think there's going to be I any way. Gonna, I think you're going to hate this I don't, movie. But I've had a lot of people recommend yeah. it to me. So okay. um, that leads me to believe that I think I would really like it. So I, I just really don't know how I would feel. Yeah. So like I, I, I really don't know. And there's also this... Um, the poster for Brittany wins a marathon is her like drinking a, lot, a glass of wine while everyone's like running a marathon, and there's this woman on the left who looks just like Elizabeth Warren. I have it right here. Oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah. It does. He, I can confirm. <laughs> I'm looking at it. It's like the classic like hustling uh, Elizabeth yeah. Warren waving her hand. <laughs> I think about her every yeah. time I see the poster for this movie. Um, <laughs> that's so, so funny. I'm so, so glad you pointed that out. Yeah, you'll never see it the same way again. So. Yeah. And the trailer, actually, actually, I really like the trailers a lot better. Uh, as I like the trailer a lot more than the movie, and like I thought the trailer was like one of the best trailers of the year. Um, and it's got it's like uh, overlaid by this the BB Rexa song, um, and it's like you get like teary. I get teary eyed when I see it, so it's great. Yeah, just a, just a nice, uplifting, fun movie. Cool. So a little bit out there, but overall, really good. Yeah. Uh... So my number six is the movie Jojo Rabbit. Oh. <laughs> and another overlap. Another overlap. Uh, and whatever. I thought this movie was hysterical. Yeah. I was in stitches uh, the yeah. entire <laughs> time. Uh, except for the obviously sad parts, yeah. which um, I found effective. Like I thought the really the sad parts worked. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was it was well balanced movie. So I do not quite understand the criticisms of it because I get, I get the basis of the criticisms. I just completely disagree with them. Yeah. And agreed of them saying like, it's not appropriate enough. Like they, they're saying it doesn't strike that balance well between satire and mm. um, sadness since it is a Holocaust movie. And I really think it does. It just, I thought it was perfect. So I don't get it. Uh, but I think like people also compare this movie to Wes Anderson movies uh, oh yeah that's, that's wrong that's that's what you shouldn't do yeah it, it's wrong because these are way better this is yeah. way better than wes anderson yeah, movies yeah. i'm not a wes anderson fan i just think he's like he's like the definition of hipster who think they're hipsters who think they're more clever than they actually are so uh this <laughs> but i do find taika watiti um clever and like perceptive uh in a way that he's like able to elicit sort of emotionalities behind yeah. it uh and i really did i i love the the child performances too i think roman griffith griffith griffin davis uh as jojo is so so good and then our favorite oh our favorite uh <laughs> little archie yates as yorkie oh shoot he is going to be in a disney plus he's going to be in the new he's going to be in the reboot of home alone what it's already my favorite movie is it? yeah <laughs> it's already my favorite movie. i'm telling you my favorite movie now 2020 yeah Hopefully. uh it's so it's going to be on disney plus i think it's a movie I, I don't think it's a tv series i hope he plays the same exact role that he <laughs> He's uh, again. I, I'm so glad he's going to be in more films now too, because yeah. I just think he's so good too. He has yeah. the best lines. He steals the yeah. movie in a movie that's already hysterical, even yeah. without him. <laughs> so yeah, Jojo Rabbit. We have a whole episode on it, so yeah. we won't belabor this. Yeah. So all right, cool. Um, yeah, that was very quick. Um, number right. five. Number five for me is. Oh yeah. Um, 
So the toys are back <laughs> in Toy Story 4. Um, it's been nine years since we've seen um, Woody, Buzz, Woody and Buzz on the big screen. Um, and I thought Toy Story 4, or as some of us like to call it, Woody's solo adventure. Um, I know it's very clear yeah. that Woody is Toy Story now. Yeah. Like that yeah. Buzz is more of a minor character than yeah. we think he is. He's very much the focus of number one, but ever since then he's fallen yeah. back a little bit. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. Um, well, no, I also... I think this was also a chance for them to reintroduce Bo Peep, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Um, and kind of spark that relationship again. Um, I don't know if they're doing a Toy Story 5, if they're going to focus more on Buzz. Um, but I thought, uh, when, I, when I first heard they were doing Toy Story 4, I was like, oh no, they're going to, like, can we just stop at Toy Story 3? It was like, one, it was like one of the greatest movies of all time. But like, I thought Toy Story 4 really delivered. Um, I know uh, it, a lot of a lot of people like obviously didn't think it matched up to the other Toy Story movies just because they felt it was like so out of the realm of the whole series. Um, but to me, I I like that idea. I like that concept. Um, it didn't really feel out of the realm um, I, to it, me. It, it kind of did just because it was like a different location. Different location. It didn't involve. So it's Toy um, Story two. It didn't involve Andy. So it's Toy Story three. They're yeah. all in different locations. Yeah, but it, it also didn't involve like the, all the the main toys. Like it had to do with like like. Like now, Bonnie is the new like owner, and it, like, it just felt like a new generation of Toy Story with older characters, if or this older characters. But but uh, as you said, Buzz is not the main central focus, um, and whereas Woody is, and they bring back Bo Peep, um, but they also bring in a whole slew of new toys and new characters, and it's just to me, it's just a fun movie. The animation's really well done. The colors are very vivid. It's great. Um, yeah, and uh, Key and Peel are in it as. Uh, I think bunny the two bunnies um, and they're <laughs> yeah. great their dynamic is hilarious um, and uh, there's a new character uh, uh, the, uh, Gabby Gabby the doll yeah the doll yeah. who's played by Christina Hendricks mm-hmm. um, and her story is so gut-wrenching right um, like at first you think she's a villain and mm-hmm. I love the spin they take where me too yeah where they uh, they kind of make her the not the victim but um, they, you, you really feel for her character. She's yeah. not the person. You, she's not the toy you think she is. Um, so I love that aspect of the movie. I thought Tony Hale as Forky was great. I, I like really. I really like Forky as a character. Forky asks a Forky question. Asks a question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, uh, and I like the Disney Plus show. Forky asks a question. Um, yeah, a little. Annoying. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a little annoying at times, but Tony Hale plays him well. Um, yeah. So. Uh, and I just love the Toy Story series, and I thought this really delivered. So. I I'm glad you mentioned the animation too, because there's one scene in particular, one shot with uh in the beginning with a uh, uh, Woody and Bo Peep underneath a car mm-hmm. and in the yeah, rain, and it's like I remember seeing that on screen and was like, oh my god, oh my this god. isn't an animated movie. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it and just you- constantly blows you away of how great like animation you compare this cinematography to the first can be. One. Yeah, yeah, and just like the evolution of Pixar's animation is just it's incredible but it never quite goes into the uncanny valley right like right. you you, yeah, 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 you yeah. feel yeah. like you, it is still you still feel cartoon, like it's yeah. a cartoon or um whatever you want to call yeah. it so that just like well, really works also because really well. they're toys but yeah. yeah and i mean you i went into this movie with like bated breath like holding my breath like please be good please be good like please don't ruin toy story yeah, <laughs> and it yeah. didn't at all yeah, so I, I don't think pixar would ever be able to ruin toy story but i'm gonna knock on wood for that one yeah so. yeah um 
but Pixar, let's end it there. I think we ended it pretty well. So. <laughs> you can continue with the Disney Plus shows. Yeah. Those like kind of count, but not really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And I, I really like that Pixar is coming out with two original stories this year. Yeah, this um, year. Soul yeah. and Onward. Yeah, so, I'm glad they're doing the Like we're veering away original. from the sequels. Agreed. So. All, All right. right. We're a little we're over time not... on that one. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Right, no, no, so, no. Number five. My number five. And uh, now that we're in the top five, I actually am glad. Uh, I The top five for me is particularly hard to. Because, oh, mine too. Yeah. 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 Uh, also, uh, in my room, I have a, like what I call like the movie wall. Mm-hmm. So I have pictures of every, um, the top five movies I have of that year for every year of like the last decade yeah. too. So the top five for me is particularly important. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, would you I'm be joking. shocked to say I'm... that not many people have been in my bedroom because <laughs> it's not a great way to, play. I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> I'm not going to go. There. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, it's like important to me to like, which movies get to be on the movie wall in my bedroom. <laughs> Uh, and so now, uh, my number five is the movie, the Irishman. So I can't stop thinking about this episode. I'm sorry, this movie. <laughs> it was an episode. Yeah, it was a whole episode. And, uh, that also might be a little bit unfair because there are three and a half hours to think about, but you have about three minutes to <laughs> exactly. <this> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but every time I think about it, like I think about how the movie is structured, how, the how deep the character development is and how impressive the technology is also talking about watching something with bated breath uh is and that like all fits into the the irishman for me too uh i think about the irishman and once upon a time in hollywood being very similar movies uh and this isn't spoiling anything hopefully but once upon a time hollywood's not making my top 10 whereas the irishman is because they're both like very reflective movies about aging men and both are in ways about toxic masculinity Uh Uh, honestly that's the another theme of 2019 (laughs) is there are men everywhere uh, and the Irishman works on a level that uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood didn't really connect with me. Uh, I don't think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood failed to do that, but uh, the Irishman, at least, uh, I felt the character growth a little bit more too. And so, uh, kind of, sort of, the regrets and the unflashiness of all of it all of the mob life, like really resonated with me particularly in the later um scenes like in the last hour half hour i think are really strong and i kind of i stand by most of the creative if not all the creative decisions that they made in this movie and it's such a feat and it's like shocking that this movie was able to get made it's like 200 million dollars to make like a mob movie like kind of unheard of like you only get that movie for superhero films nowadays so um that they were able to make like a character movie with that budget is so great so thank god for netflix having pockets as deep as fracking wells (laughs) so (laughs) i um i'm just like really pleased with that and hope we kind of get more high budget character movies like this yeah i was (laughs) hoping you were gonna say like Pockets as deep as uh, 
Jimmy Hoffa, but oh you that no, joke, so. yeah, uh, I I thought of that joke on the fly. That was not prepared. That was, that was good. That was, thank that you, was thank you, thank you, thank um, you. I don't want to. We're. I don't want to talk too much. Yeah, about we the we had a we've whole this. episode on um, it. I, I'm just gonna say, most movies. The more I think about them, the more I like them. With the Irishman, the more I think about it, the more I, I'm not a fan of it. Um, but I don't want to talk. I don't want to dive too much into it. I just. Where you think Once Upon a Time didn't resonate with you, The Irishman didn't really resonate with me as much. Um, I, I certainly like the movie. It just, to me, I, I just, I, I didn't really feel a connection. And um, just, I'm just going to say it. It was very boring. So, um, yeah. So that's that's my thoughts. Um, well, the last thing that I'll say, too, is... Uh, Joe Pesci is my supporting actor of the year. Yeah. He was, I think he gave the best supporting performance of the year. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So cool. Um, yeah, that's that's cool. I like I like the Irishman, but not as much as you did. Um, so uh, but I'm glad I'm glad it's in your top five and I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um actually I'm kind of shocked it's number five. I thought it would be like the top three or two. Oh wow. Yeah, so. I can't wait to surprise you yeah. then. I look I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um <laughs> I, I'm kind of like like I kind of wish like I didn't like public. I published this on my personal Facebook page earlier, and I'm kind of regretting it. But um, no, no, none at all. Yeah. No, I uh, and this is something I've actually been kind of wanting to bring up. This is somewhat of an aside, but I think knowing things ahead of time doesn't spoil the inexperience for you. Mm-hmm. I think this is so true for something like Star Wars. Like so many people get upset when they're spoiled something, and that should not ruin experience for you. Um, so, like, knowing, I think it's good to not know something if you don't want to know it, but don't, I don't think it's worth getting mad over mm-hmm. knowing something mm-hmm. because it's more than just the facts. It's the yeah. experience. Well, we can have a whole film. episode yeah. on spoilers and yeah. stuff. Oh, so, yeah, we're going to have well, themed episodes in January. I'm, I'm glad to talk more about that. Um, parts of that I disagree with, um, but parts I do agree with. So, um, anyway, so my number four, we're getting to our top four now. So, um, a little bit of a tease for our next podcast. Um, my top four movies of this year also made my top movies of the decade. Um, so I'm just throwing that out there now. Um, but you won't know which order, order they're in. Yeah, yeah. Get to there. So um, speaking of knowing things before they happen, here's a little tease for you. My number four and one of the greatest movies of the decade and maybe of all time, um, at least in my lifetime, was 1917. Um, I thought... I thought this movie was absolutely flawless. Um, the more I think of, again, another movie, the more I think about, it, the more I like. I cannot stop thinking about 1917, especially the camera work and the editing and the cinematography. Everything technically that went technical that went behind this movie was just just blew me away. No pun intended. Um, the story was great. The acting was superb. Um, but the but the cinematography and the Set design, everything, everything about 1917, I absolutely loved and adored. Um, we have a whole podcast on it. Um, again, don't really need to go too much into it, but um, I just think the two main characters worked very well together. I thought the plot line was great, um, especially the the scenes, I, the scenes where they're walking across no man's land. I just, I can't get out of my head. I just, I can't, get, I can't stop thinking about that set design um, and the way the whole cinematography worked with it. It just. It was so, so, I was so uncomfortable watching it and in such a good way. Um, And I thought, yes, 
we mentioned the cameos were a little bit of a distraction, um, but that certainly didn't take away from everything else for me. Um, so, yeah. That being said, and all those reasons, 1917 is my number four for the year. Yeah. Um, I've talked about this in depth in our episode, but my... I've, I really, really liked 1917, but the reason that it's not making my top 10 is because of the things that took me out of it, which included the cameos. And again, I like found myself playing the game of like trying to figure out like where they did the editing Mm -hmm. tricks. So I, I was like taken out of the movie a few times too. And I wasn't able to like sit back and watch and enjoy it as much as I wanted to. Uh, again, I kind of hope these would go away for me on a second viewing. So we'll see. I definitely would love to watch it again uh, for those reasons. But I really did. Um, I really did like it. I love George McKay. I thought he was great. Um, and like, and the technical aspects are undeniable. Yeah. And unparalleled. So yeah. shout out to Roger Deakins. <laughs> yeah, boy, Roger. So. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, again, so. We can see, we can disagree and still be friends. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's like, and I even feel bad saying, like, I disagree because, like, I really did like it. It's not like I didn't like this movie. Yeah, just, like, what bothered you about it did not bother me in the slightest, so. Yeah, I think it's, I think where we disagree on things, it's like, it's the weight of them. It's like, we recognize that they are things, but it's like, or potential issues, but we don't, like, for one of us, it doesn't bother us, and then the other one, it does. Yeah, So. Cool. Uh, that's where our disagreements, I think, arise. Cool. Okay, so my number four is the movie The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Oh, another movie I have to take myself out of. <laughs> I have not seen it, so... Uh, Can you stick with movies I've seen? No, I'm, I'm joking, sorry, I'm joking, sorry. I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, so this is... The reason that this is in my top ten and my number four is because it's similar to the reasons that I listed for The Farewell... Uh, except this one has more tears. <laughs> and uh, this story is incredible. It's a true story of a man who keeps going back to the house that he grew up in in San Francisco, but he no longer lives there. And it's the true story of the lead actor, Jimmy Fails. And he's in the movie essentially playing himself. And he's such a good actor. He is an actor by trade, though. Uh, and... He just does, like, such a great job of, like, tapping into that emotion, and no one else could have played that role. Uh, It wouldn't have been the same movie. And uh, Jonathan Majors, as Jimmy's only friend, is, like, amazing, too. He's such, like, a classic Shakespearean uh, stage play type actor, and his role is so, so good in this movie. and I think this is actually my favorite score of the year, too. Uh, it's the the music is like so incredible and so powerful. And it feels very Bay Area. Uh, a lot of people from the Bay Area <laughs> love this movie. I'm not from the Bay Area, but um, my understanding is that they really do like it. Um, and in part, uh, it res- resonates in the Bay Area because it raises really important questions about gentrification to in San Francisco in particular is like a heavily gentrified city. So uh, it also raises really important questions about race and parenting and straight up bullying. Uh, like the main characters are frequently kind of even kind of like bullied by um, some of the people in their neighborhood. Yeah. And um, this was the movie I was moved by most this year. 
Uh, and any film that can like elicit those emotions just really goes to show how much I truly loved yeah. it. Uh, so, wow. Last Black Man in San Francisco, I highly recommend. Well, you've sold me. I really, I, I've it's been on my list for a while, and I. I, I want to see it, so I'm I think, excited. I think it's, like, the most overlooked movie of the year, too. Mm-hmm. It's not like people didn't know about it or didn't know its existence, yeah. but, like, when and people... And it also came out very early. Like, it came yeah, out a few months ago. Yeah, so. it came out, like, maybe May or June. Yeah. It didn't it didn't mesh well with the whole summer blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think... I think people should, like, give it a chance, to because, like, it's not going to get any Oscar nominations yeah. whatsoever. Uh, but I think it's a really important movie and a really beautiful movie too. It's not preachy at all too. Uh, so I hope, I don't think you need to worry about that. Uh, it's, uh, it's just something that you wouldn't think gentrification would make an interesting movie. That's yeah. not a documentary, but well, it does. No, I, I, no, yeah. I can see where it would definitely be interesting. And I see, like, I saw a lot of things that. Especially living like just outside of DC. Like, yeah. Like I, I, growing up here, I've seen how the city has been gentrified and yeah. changed over the years exactly so we're like yeah so yeah some places some places that are very popular now like you could not step foot in back like 20 25 years ago so and it's like so interesting too so in this movie in one um one location take takes place in like a real house mm-hmm. and since they've filmed it that house has now been torn down and is like being torn is being built into guess what luxury <laughs> luxury apartments Whole foods. yeah so, so it's so like um it's like wow you can't make this stuff yeah. up <laughs> yeah really so it's i think it's like a really important movie um that narratively everyone should see cool yeah i want to see it so good all right um so what are we on my number three three okay top three all right, so my number three is um, a movie we discussed a little while ago, uh, Marriage Story, starring mm. Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. Um, and so where I love 1917 for the technical aspect, I love Marriage Story for the acting aspect. Um, I think Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver um, give two of the best performances of their careers, of their short careers, um, but some of the best performances of the decade. Um I mean, again, like we've touched on this, um, but Scarlett from Scarlett Johansson's monologue, um, talking to Laura Dern, to Lauren Dern's um, switching back and forth between um, very serious lawyer to, oh, how are you doing? Like, how's the play? And congratulations on the award um, to Adam Driver's just breakdown in this the the scene where he's speaking talking to Scarlett Johansson in his apartment. I just I was which has become a meme now. Yeah. It's a meme now. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I hold my reservations on that i i think um i really i this might this might sound weird but i i really don't want actors i really don't want them to hold back like on like emotions like that and acting like that because they're going to turn into a meme or a gif or something like that but like i i no i I hold my judgment i think some of it comes from like a good place i i don't think all of it comes from a good place but uh like the memification of it yeah 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 so i um a lot of it so the movie made me feel very again uncomfortable in a good way um the the roller coaster of emotions i felt um the ways i related to these characters were just bar none um the ending for me um yeah it was just the ending was great um and i liked the conflict back and forth um not only between the two characters but the locations 
um, and the side characters and the supporting characters and all that. So I just think the whole movie tied together really well. I think the ending was great. Um, it, it tied up nicely. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I could go on and on, but well, um, we're just going to dive right into my number (laughs) three because my number three is also marriage. Story. Oh Oh my God. It's the first time where they match up perfectly. And, uh, I, I love this movie because there are no bad guys or good guys. Right, yeah. 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 And that just means its uh, its characters are well thought out and complex. And uh, I think this movie challenges you in that way too because it's like hard to side with anyone and you're not supposed to. So it, it makes you uncomfortable. Uh, I was even having a conversation recently about somebody who like who came up to me and was like, I hated marriage story. Like, can't believe that like, you liked it. Like, like Did you smack him in the face? Well <laughs> the, here's why you're wrong. <laughs> and it, it this was a very brief conversation, but it became clear very quick that they didn't like it because of kind of how realistic it was yeah. and no, like, I, like I don't like fe- I it was that. kind yeah. of like I don't like feeling that way too it's like good you shouldn't yeah. you're yeah. not supposed to That's like feeling it that way the goal of the movie it's yeah. not to make you like feel good. like yeah, yeah. And, well and then it also sort of elicited a conversation about that like yeah. where were the characters coming from like why did they act this way in right. that certain direction and then of this very brief conversation he was he said he was like you know what like we're talking about it maybe i did like it yeah. so like it's i i find it like interesting to think about that so like yeah. think about movies after you after you watch them too because you may like them more than you realize yeah and yeah. i think that i think marriage story is the like the epitome of a movie that's like it's not supposed to make you feel good it's supposed to elicit elicit a conversation um and i that's definitely what it's doing so yeah and uh and i think the further we get to the oscars to award season it's gonna that's just gonna spark up i'm i'm a little nervous for its oscar potential too because like i um a lot of people i'm i'm actually a little surprised at the pushback marriage story has been getting uh because uh, a lot of them are about that scene that we're talking about too because people are watching that scene on Twitter and they're saying like that scene is overacted and we may have mentioned this on the podcast before but forgive me if we haven't but they they say like that scene is overacted on Twitter but it's like which, did you watch the rest yeah. of the movie sorry, sorry which one uh the the big fight scene okay oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and I don't want to give it I don't even want to give it away and so they're saying it's overacted on Twitter but like my rebuttal to that is like, did you watch the rest of the movie? Like, did you see the hour and a half that led to that fight scene? Because like that is in some ways like the climax of the movie. And if you're like just watching the climax of the movie, like it it takes away any sort of subtleties that like led up to that. And in fact, Scarlett Johansson and Adam driver are both my best actor and best actress of the year too, because of this movie. Mm-hmm. So oh, mine too, 100%, yeah. yeah. And I, I just think they give like perfect performances and it like kind of makes me sad that like people are like well, picking away at things they anything. don't understand. Yeah. yeah. I mean, are these people like, who've like, like you don't know what they've been through. Like I, to me, like, yeah, I've had like big blowout fights with my significant other and like, they've gotten that bad. Um, and, you know, people, like, who have gotten divorced, I'm sure, have gotten to that point. Um, they weren't overacted. I I, I'm, I felt so... I felt so much for Adam Driver when he got on his knees and, like, she was just hugging... Or Scarlett Johansson's character was just, like, 
holding his head and like comforting him like after this huge blowout fight and I was like oh my god like I like I feel that like I this feel movie is, it. this movie is very honest and it's very loving too yeah. like it, it they come from a good place too so yeah um and I feel like every time I talk about marriage story I talk about how like sad it almost is this movie's actually very funny like there's a, oh, a lot of funny, funny there are a lot mm-hmm. of funny moments in this movie yeah so uh i just think it's a really really well-rounded yeah. movie and it's noah bomback's best movie of the year, or mm-hmm. best movie he's ever done yeah best movie of the year <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um no it's your only movie <laughs> <laughs> um okay cool yeah so for more on marriage story please see our marriage story uh, episode yeah. yeah um all right so top two now um I had a very hard time coming up with my top two. Um, my top ten was hard enough. My top two was even worse. Preach. And, like, I couldn't decide. So I just kind of, like, flipped a coin for this one. Ooh. Um, so really, like, I want to say these, like, kind of tie for first, but I just picked this. So um, my number two was Parasite. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our own Parasite episode. <laughs> so, um, again, can't dive too much into it, but for all the reasons I've said before, why I love Parasite, um, because... It is. It goes from one genre to the next, to the next, to the next, in less than two hours. Um, it's about this family that, uh, this poor family that essentially becomes a parasite and leeches on to a very rich family, um, one by one. Um, Bong Joon Ho directed it um, straight out of South Korea. Uh, yeah, and I like never ever thought in my wildest dreams that a um, South Korean movie would be like one of my favorites, like not only of the year but of the decade and of all time. Um, I could watch Parasite again and again and again and always find something new about it. Um, some minor detail, some little thing, some, um, some, some, some line that, some line of dialogue I may have missed. And obviously we have the greatest song from Parasite as well. Um, Jessica, Jessica, only child from Illinois, Chicago. Chicago. (laughs) Yeah. Ding dong. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time on Parasite. I love it. More than yeah, I show. hope it really does. I hope it does well at the I Oscars. Think it, I think it's going to do very well. Yeah, um, I we'll see. We'll see, like how freaking the campaign. Upon a time. Sorry, I'm like yeah. banging things, but like freaking Once Upon a Time is just like taking over, like from everything else, and it's driving me crazy. Sorry. If if I had a gun to my head, I would predict Once Upon a Time in Hollywood predict winning right now at this moment. That could change, yeah. but um, I would love it if like Parasite was able to do what Roma couldn't. Uh, I'm like shaking my head right now. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, like I'm sorry, I do not like that movie. It's definitely not. I know it's like kind of weird how much we. I never expected to like be lukewarm on a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah, but I, I'm lukewarm on that movie. It just it has reason. no impact on me whatsoever. So yeah. like I, if anything, I I just feel like they're going to give this to Quentin like just because of like the whole. It's like a career nod for him. And, but what Bong Joon Ho did for Parasite is incredible. What he was able to do with Parasite, yeah. too. He uh, and he's been like on the circuit too, so he's been doing like interviews with like late night hosts too. And like Bong Joon Ho is like such a riot to watch. Like yeah. on TV, he's like he's such an eccentric yeah. personality. And like and parts of so this movie great. like really reflect too. Like, yeah, some of this movie is like freaking hilarious. Yeah. Like, like, the like black parts. comedy. It's a yeah. black oh comedy. Yeah. yeah. And this movie, 
we've mentioned this on the show on the episode, but it's unclassifiable. Uh, we're because it's like a comedy, it's a thriller, it's a family drama. Um, and straight up horror. Straight so, up horror. Yeah, yeah it, it it covers so much too, and there's a reason we're being kind of vague because again, like the less you know about Parasite, the, the better. better. Mm-hmm. So I just can't recommend it like enough to people. I've I've not talked to a single person who has anything less than perfect things to say about yeah. Parasite. Yeah. Like people not only like it, everyone that I've seen, everyone that I know that's seen this movie absolutely loves it. And to have something that high um, with that high praise is awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So it's so universal. Yep. So. Very cool. I'm assuming, well, okay. I'll hold my We'll do. Yeah. So it's, is it my, my turn? It's your number two. My yeah. number two. Uh, my number two is the movie little women <laughs> and uh, of course it is <laughs> and so this one is from noah Baumbach's real life partner greta gerwig i um do have some reservations putting this at number two because it could be recency effect uh affecting my opinions because this is one of the most recent movies that i've seen too but had having read other people's reviews who have seen this movie multiple times already their opinions have not changed even having seen it multiple times, so I'm confident that my opinion wouldn't change. But I'm still making the bold, uh, the bold way of putting it number two anyway. And I've basically said everything I needed to on our <laughs> most recent episode <laughs> on Little Women. But overall, I think this movie is incredibly wise and perceptive. It is also sad. It's comforting. It's funny. It's all over the place, and I love that spectrum of feelings. Uh, And on top of that, it's really damn creative, too. It's uh, incredible what uh, Greta Gerwig could do with the story that's already been told again and again and again. Uh, So you tie in that creativity with the cast chemistry, the beautiful score, the hair and makeup, the setting of beautiful Conquer, Massachusetts, uh, and everything all ties together and it fits like a glove, mm-hmm. like Meg's lost glove. <laughs> oh. And I I think this movie is immaculate. Yeah. Uh, I know we just, like, we I like, know we just, just talked, talked about, about it. Little Women. Yeah. Um, no, I, I liked Little Women. I, I didn't love Little Women. Um, I thought Greta Gerwig did a great job. Um, I thought the whole cast did a great job. I, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was a good movie. It was a feel-good movie. Um, but again, I'll say again, I had a very big problem. Again, a lot of weight with this problem uh, with the younger characters looking the exact same as the older characters, and that really brought the movie down for me. Um, other than that, the script was great. Everything was great. The the beautiful scenery of Concord, Massachusetts. Um, everything you just said, yeah. And they filmed, down. they did film there, yeah. like, um, which I think was important to do, yeah. too. They did, every homework sort of assignment that they had for this movie, like, really paid off in mm-hmm. droves. Yeah, so. All right. Great. I think we're... Number right. ones! The big moment. The big moment. I won't record you for these, or at least time you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm gonna need a little time with this one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or, you sure you don't want to go first? Or, I, okay, I'll go. For number one. Because I, I, yeah. I think I have a feeling of what yours is. I think is. you know what my number one is so, now, too. Um, okay, I'll just... I'll go ahead and go. Okay. Um, okay, I'm going to get a little sentimental here. Um, 
my number one movie of the year uh, is Avengers Endgame. Um, there's a lot of reasons I love this movie. Um, but my number one, I'm going to get a little emotional here. Um, I recently lost my dad um, back in April. And four days before he died, I this was the last movie I saw with him. Um, sorry, I'm like tearing up. Um, this was the last movie I saw with my father. And um, it really had an impact on me. Um, it kind of brought the whole series together. Um, and he loved everything about it. Uh, well, there are most things about it. Um, and for me, that that made it so much better. Thank you. <laughs> um, and yeah, I yeah, I, I I can't say enough good things about it. Um, my favorite movie of all time is Jurassic Park. Um, because it was the first movie I ever saw with my dad, and this movie was the last one. Um, me and him saw every single Marvel movie together. We saw. From Iron Man all the way to Avengers Endgame. We saw them all together. Um, and, like, I'll always have those memories with him. So, um, yeah, that's, for me, like, it's just, yeah, it's just great. It's To me, it's perfect. So, um, and I, yeah. I can't There's nothing I can, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, there's obviously nothing I can Yeah, say I mean, like, obviously, too, like, the but, movie is great, but, like, yeah. There are reasons behind this movie. Like, there's more than just the movie. Movies the are more experience. about, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was the experience, and I'll always have that. I'll always cherish it for forever. So, I'm so glad, at least, that you got yeah. that there was that moment to share with him. Yeah. At least. I know it's a small, small consolation prize, but, you know, in that sense, this movie will always have something special a special place in your heart because of it too yep so and that's kind of what movies are about yeah you know i mean yeah i mean it's like what we're getting to it's like with this whole podcast and everything it's like it's how you feel like at at the end of something you know the experience you had and you know avengers just just because of who i got to share it with it just it's my favorite it's about sharing things with your yeah. you know family and friends yeah so, so. Know, the reason there's a reason movie theaters are with a bunch of people around because you share like you share those emotions together mm-hmm. like even with strangers in the dark yeah. but it's even better when you have a loved uh, one sitting next to you i was like preparing for this like all day and all week and i'm like i'm not gonna cry i'm not gonna cry and like sure enough i started talking about it and I'm just like i mean cr- i'm crying yeah now. <laughs> so um yeah so <sighs> Uh, my dad was a growing up like my dad always like was a big collector he was collected comics and books and he um he always got me into um he tried to get me into comics but i was i was more into like the shows and the movies and all that um but you know every time we go see a superhero movie he would be like this is wrong this is wrong this is wrong like um and like i just was like okay whatever i had fun with it but um the older i got the more I appreciated what he said, um, the more, like, you know, I'd be like, oh, yeah, like, they could have done that a little better, and, like, but, like, the older I got, like, I just appreciated, like, seeing movies, like, seeing these movies with him. Um, we just had a good time together. Um, and, like, when we came out of Avengers, he was just like, oh, my God, like, they wrapped that up perfectly, and sorry if I'm going to spoil anything for you, but the statute of limitations is up. <laughs> um, I've never seen my dad cry in a movie until Avengers Endgame, um, when Tony Stark died. Um, 
he like I turned to my dad and like he was just like crying his eyes out because we've been living with Tony Stark and Iron Man for the past 10 years and I think maybe he saw a little bit of himself in Iron Man as a figure father um and like looking back and watching it now I really appreciate the scenes between Tony and his dad um just just because I wish I could go back and hug my dad like Tony did um so yeah it's just everything about it just resonates with me and yeah. yeah, I mean, you have those mementos now, yeah. so. and it's you see movies differently yeah. now too. Yeah. And I hope that it makes those experiences better too. And you'll even the the Marvel franchise, Marvel Cinematic Universe is nowhere near completed. Oh, no. <laughs> now you'll you'll always have your dad's voice in his head, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. nitpicking yeah. at certain parts or loving other parts. Yeah, the, there's one part he got really mad about, and let me know if you agree, but. Uh, he was like, he came out and he was just like, he loved it, but like, he was like, I was just so mad that Captain America could hold Thor's hammer. He can't do that. <laughs> he's never able to do that. And like, like, he's just like, he, like, he wouldn't let it go. Like, he would not let it go. He would not stop texting me yeah. about it, like, the whole, the whole week. He's like, I'm just, I'm so angry. I'm like, so I'm like, just let it go, Dad. Just let it go. But, all right. Hopefully he's up there right now telling Stanley, like, look what they did to your characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, letting him have a piece letting of his mind. Letting him have a piece of his mind, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm sure he is. I'm certain that he is. All right. Well, I'm proud of you. Thank you. That was that was hard to get through, so. Yeah. Yeah. We open up here on yeah. Step and Repeat. <laughs> share that. Share our lives with everyone. Yeah. Um, well, let's... T- I feel like there's no rape. There's no way I can top that. Just so, um, it almost feels uh, anticlimactic to even talk about my number one. That's now. okay. <laughs> yeah. But um, we need some some recoup time. True. Right, yeah, like a denouement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my number one movie of the year. Is well, the can m- I guess? I'm sure you. I'm sure you've got it. Is it Parasite? It is Parasite. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so smart. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think Parasite is the best movie of the year, not only because it's the most 2019, because of cla- uh, class warfare, capitalism, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Uh, but uh, because the narrative structure is also so genius and airtight. It's the only film of this year that I can honestly say is without flaws. So... Uh, this is also the only movie that I was at the edge of my seat the whole time for practically the whole film. Uh, this can be a somewhat annoying practice of mine, but when I'm like really into a movie, I just get really, really at the edge of my seat and like, don't eat, don't drink. I breathe really heavily. <laughs> yeah. One time I tried to hit him popcorn and he swatted in the way. <laughs> the whole bag went all over. Yeah. People were mad. Uh, and at least it wasn't peaches. Yeah. <laughs> And again, like the lack of knowledge of my going into it made me appreciate it even more too. But uh, I don't think that would work for any sort of American film just because of the way that people talk about American films and just regular discourse. They don't talk about the way, yeah. that way in foreign films. Uh, and Plus American trailers give so much away. True. Yeah. And um, it's extremely accessible for a foreign film. I think a lot of people are nervous to watch foreign films because... They have subtitles and they like don't want to follow mm-hmm. that much. 
but like I promise that this is like a very easy movie to watch. So uh, like it it's not pretentious <laughs> the way that a lot of foreign films are. So I, I think it's just like adds that sort of cinematic event, uh, element to it too. And the ensemble works so well together. There are like 10 or so characters, but each one of those characters are so well thought out. And every single one of those actors shine in that in their roles. Uh, so like that works perfectly. And uh, it actually has really smart things to say. It's not just pure fun too. Um, and it's a really well-rounded film and there's nothing else for me that could come out on top. Yeah. So it's Parasite. I I feel like I've said enough um, with Parasite with what we just talked about. But um, again, like without, you know, again, getting too sentimental, I I would, if Avengers weren't like number one for the reasons I had mentioned, Parasite would have easily taken my number one slide. Um, I really loved it just for the same reasons you did. So uh yeah yeah loved it uh can't wait hope it dominates at the oscars i we'll would see i be. hope it's the first foreign film to win best picture yeah hopefully well that would be we so thought cool. last year that robo yeah. might might have taken the case i really did think t- yeah, so too so. yeah and um it would be my best picture and best director yeah yeah so. agreed so yeah. um so i i always like to kind of end my top 10 list i um I know we're running a little over, but are there any other movies like of the year you maybe want to highlight or talk about? Um, yeah, like there, are, like things like I loved like Avengers Endgame yeah. too. Like there are things that would be like honorable mentions. And yeah. those sorts of things. Yeah, so like that. But do you want to talk? Like, do you want to mention like maybe like briefly like three to five? Like, yeah, I won't even I won't even go in depth. I'll just yeah. list them. So like Avengers, mm-hmm. uh, Knives Out, uh, Hustlers. Uh, this is a pretentious foreign film, but I loved it still. Uh, Les Miserables, uh, and, uh, Ford, uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah. Those are all really great too. And I'm sure there are some that I'm missing, but. I agree with like all those honorable mentions. Um, I also love movies like, I love Booksmart. um, Yeah. Yeah. Booksmart would be on there too. Um, I love Bombshell. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Bombshell would be on there for me, but Booksmart would. Yeah. I, well, I, yeah. Um, Us. I really liked Us. Yeah. Um, I liked Us. Uh, mostly because of Lupita Nyong'o. Um, but yeah, it was great. Um, so again, back to unpopular movies. I really loved the new Godzilla. And I know oh, I mentioned yeah, it in yeah. our first podcast. Um, I thought it was great. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, and another movie, um, uh, I really liked, um, Rocket Man. I Oh yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Um speaking of the first podcast too, <laughs> because I think the most underrated and misunderstood movie of the year is The Goldfinch. Yeah. I know I know how much hate that movie gets, <laughs> but I love it and it's sad because I think I like everything about it that everyone else hates. Yeah. So it's just it's misunderstood and I'm okay with it being misunderstood because <laughs> I liked it all the same. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah. Um, haters gonna hate. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, as far as next year goes, there are quite there are a lot of movies I'm looking forward to. Um, I know we're like really over time, but I just want to mention like a couple. I don't know if you have any that you're like really excited to see next year. Uh, why don't you go um, first? Okay, so like I'm really looking forward to the new James Bond, No Time to Die. Um, I can't wait for Morbius. Uh, it's just, it's one of the new Spider-Man characters that uh, Jay Leto is playing in. Um, again, we mentioned Onward and Soul, the new Disney Pixar movies. Cannot wait for Dune. I think Dune is going to be fantastic. 
Um, and, you know, Wonder Woman 1984. Um, also, that trailer was so good. That trailer was amazing. Yeah. Um, and uh, just off the top of my head, uh, West Side Story um, from Steven Spielberg. And I guess the new Halloween movie. Um, Halloween Kills. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I would have to have a little more time to kind of really yeah. think about Sorry, it. Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, 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 no. <laughs> I like being put on the spot sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> uh, I would say, um, actually, I think my most anticipated movie of the year is Dune, which is coming yeah. out like yeah, next it's Christmas. Be and I will be. Did they push it back to Christmas? I thought it was coming out in the summer. No, it's Christmas. Oh. Yeah, it's. Uh, and it was supposed to come out this time this year, mm-hmm. but they pushed it back like a whole year or two. I'm really excited to see what they um, do with Dune. And I haven't read the book yet, so I will be reading it some point this year, hopefully early enough, like this spring. Uh, and the other two movies that um, hadn't mentioned, uh, one is, uh, I know you're probably not looking forward to this, but Tenet from... No, I'm not looking forward to that at all. Christopher Nolan. sick of giving him chance after chance. Yeah, uh, and I, uh, I, I'm i obviously like a, a big uh, Christopher Nolan fan, and um, I'm really um, excited to see what he does with this sort of um, mindscape, yeah, too. Um, and what? his cast is like really great, too, so... Yeah. Um, uh, John David Washington and Robert Pattinson um, and Elizabeth Debicki, I think, are really great actors and somewhat somewhat undervalued. So um, really excited uh, for that. That'll, and, be, that'll be a fun podcast to record. Yeah. That'll it, be a fun episode to record. And uh, the other thing that, um, that I'm looking forward to for another director that I really admire is Mank. The movie, um, the new Netflix movie from David Fincher mm. about the person who wrote Think Citizen Kane. Uh, so uh, I, yeah, I've okay. just loved pretty much everything. I didn't that, know that had a yeah. title. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it may be a working title, but okay. that is. I, I heard that was getting a movie, but I didn't know that it was. Yeah. And that uh, I've, I've loved everything David Fincher has ever done. So I'm excited to see um, more stuff that he does too. So cool. Yeah. Those are my right. three big ones. Cool. Anything yeah. else you want to say about your top 10 for 2019? I mean, there's like, those are all just like my favorites too. Those are, it's, don't worry about like the order of things that much too. Like yeah, really. my number four and my number nine are probably pretty close Very together. Close. Yeah, we just have to like pick an order. Yeah. So It's fun. It's like lists are kind of meaningless, but they're fun. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So. Enjoy doing them. Cool. Yeah. Well, the next time we're going to be doing our best of the decade. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we want to talk about splitting hairs. <laughs> like, it's hard enough to come up with yeah. a 10 of the year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned. We'll figure out how we're going to do this. And, uh, yeah, excited to get to it. So. Excited, yeah. All right. All it's right. been a good year in movies and uh, can't wait for those Oscars. Oh, great. So, I actually think this very was a stronger year, year mm-hmm. than 2018. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, very strong on the acting front, especially. Yeah. So. Yeah. Love everything. All right. Great. All right. Until then, see you next Goodbye, time. Goodbye, 2019. <laughs> Adios. Adios.